Our lives intersect the lives of other people, groups, or even whole governments. What happens next is what I explore in this podcast. Welcome to Intersections. I'm Brett Dickerson, your host. Today I'm interviewing Aspasia Carlson, who is the principal of John Marshall High School here in Oklahoma City on North Portland. Listeners, I want to point you to a story I'm going to do um, about about a new program that John Marshall has. And Aspasia, I want us to talk about this a little bit first, just first up. Um, if you go to Oklahoma City Free Press, my new publication, you'll be able to find a story about this and some photos from today. Today was the first day that students got some new devices. Is that right, Aspasia? That's absolutely correct, yes. Okay, what's the name of that program? Well, this is a smart spot checkout program, okay. uh, which is essentially uh, Wi-Fi hotspots that students can check out like a library book if they don't have internet at home. Wow. So they can they can take it home. So it's like them, you know, for the listeners, th- this is similar to if, if you gave them a cell phone that had a hotspot on. A hotspot means that it broadcasts a Wi-Fi signal Correct. from that device. Some of us have smartphones that have a hotspot feature where you can hit this button and everybody around you just give them the passcode whatever so this is like sending you know a smartphone home with them only it's a little singular device reaches out onto the verizon network it's on verizon correct yes okay what's the name what's the name of that device now it is a smart spot and it's made by a company called kajit kajit and you were telling me earlier on that that another big urban school system has had success with this tell me tell me what you found out what what's the school system and tell me a little bit about what you found out about that so atlanta public schools is one of the districts that we looked at that had used their title one funds Title I funds are for schools with low socioeconomic status for a majority of students. Um, That is federal funding that is used to kind of level the playing field for those kids. And um, Atlanta Public Schools uses theirs for the checkout spots, but also they have them on all of their buses. So this allows students to uh, do homework on their way to school and their way home from school and to different events. Yes. Now, Talk about talk about the events there, son, because I think, uh, you know, my own back, background, immediate background is out of taught high school for 16 years. And we were talking a little bit about this earlier on that, that uh, for example, a, ba- a baseball player might ride on a bus for an hour, two hours to get to a doubleheader, won't roll back into town at 11 to 12 o'clock at night during during the baseball season. Basketball games are always at night. Uh, and, and, you know, football at least happens on a Friday. Right. But basketball... You know, you're playing basketball, a lot of other volleyball. If you're playing volleyball, mm-hmm. you're doing, you know, you track, have wrestling, track, all wrestling, that during all the day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. During during the school week. Talk some about what this you were just telling me that these devices allow our athletes uh, here at John Marshall to finally kind of bridge that time gap, that time spent on us. Talk about that. Right. So the students know that they're still going to have to complete the work that they missed in class. And usually that happens after a very long day of whatever athletic event they're in and a very long bus ride to get home again, come back to the school change, and then they end up staying 
up until all the wee hours of the night trying to get their homework done. And this is something that we've seen continually over the years. Um, and those athletes are very tired the next day. They're tired at breakfast. They may fall asleep in their first period class. Well, this allows them really to be more efficient with their time. So if they can use that time on the bus to actually be online completing their work, that is a great way for them to also have peace of mind. And it's healthier for the kids to be able to get to sleep a little bit earlier. Um, one of the neat things about using, for example, Chromebooks is that students can collaborate. So theoretically, if a student was going on a trip uh, during the school day, they could actually be on the bus, but they could be collaborating with another student who is in the classroom on Google Classroom. Wow. Wow. I think I think you said that all you need is just one of these devices on the athletic bus and all of the athletes that need to work on their on their homework on the way to an event and back, they can all use that one device. Right? Correct. So the coach can just check it out. It's a benefit to the coach because he, he's able to keep his athletes eligible more Correct. often than too. So the coach, coaches aren't going to resist this at all, are they? Right. And if they do have filters. The district uh, firewall for safety mm-hmm. for students is built in as well as GPS. So if they're lost... Um, we can track them. I can also go online onto the Khajiit website and look at what websites the students are going to. I can see the percentage of educational sites versus the percentage of like social media or something that's blocked. Now, right. Yeah. Right now, social media is blocked. But Correct. you can you can still tell if I'm a student and I check out advice and I try to get on Facebook. Which yes, a lot of I can see that. Do, Correct. You can see that I tried to get on Facebook. Correct. Right? Yes. It blocked me, but I still tried. So if somebody is just spending a whole hour just testing it, trying to see where they can go. Trying to get around the firewall. You yeah. can do a little bit of counseling on that. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Say, okay, you know, you could have spent an hour working on homework. Exactly. Whatever. Now, uh, does does Khajiit have any any kind of a history of students figuring out workarounds on that? Every every high school has some hacker kid that just loves right. to try. I'm sure they're going to try. Um, yeah. To date, that has not happened yet. So <laughs> it, they're they're doing a good job, and they're continually updating their system so yes 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 well and especially having experience in a huge school system like like atlanta georgia yes uh, that's that's a big school system absolutely yeah yeah so they they have pretty deep experience right they already in this they've been tweaking their software yes yeah and so when we first started looking at um just technology in general you know we looked at uh los angeles public schools with their ipad deployment which did not go well oh that Um, that was a disaster it was yes kids i think had hacked out around the uh, firewall by the, the first third, day, the first or yeah. second day. Right? Yeah. yeah. So we knew that there was, um, and, and several of their iPads were just missing and ended up in pawn shops. So we knew <laughs> that there were some things that we needed to be able to do. We had to be able to turn them off right. remotely from, uh, right. Right. an administrator laptop. We uh-huh. needed to be able to track the devices. Um, we needed to be able to see exactly where the students were going and what they were using them for. Right. So all of those things came out of that research. We took about eight months looking at all different programs um, to make sure that our deployment was going to be as responsible as possible. Right. right. Because there, there's always some tech company that wants you, wants the school district to buy their product. School districts are a market for them. And, and so that, that fiasco in Los Angeles a few years back was yes. actually, it's been quite a, it's, it's been more than a few years. Yeah, and, it has. And, and, yes. When schools were first kind of experimenting with this and they rolled something out without really knowing what yes. they were doing. It was a great deal for Apple. Apple made a lot of money off of Los Angeles schools, Correct. but the school didn't get 
what they needed out of it. Right? No, and in this case, Khajiit has, has been tested big school districts where they've had a chance to make this a much more robust yes. system. And we did a pilot program. We had five um, smart spots last spring that right. we tracked and yeah. looked at the data on those. Yeah. So yeah. we yeah. knew so that they were. Pilot on Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So even in Oklahoma City, you could kind of tell, okay, where's the weak spots or Verizon has pretty good coverage. Yes. Yeah. 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 So we're happy but with this that. But is, this is not like. This is not like giving out some device that you could take into a pawn shop. No. You take this thing in a pawn shop and they, they can immediately say, oh, no, I'm not messing with this. Nobody right. wants this. Yes. I can't sell this. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't want to. Yeah. So that's that's kind of a part of it. And you're, you're loaning out something that a pawn shop wouldn't anyway. Correct. Most pawn shops wouldn't take something came in. Somebody brought in something like an iPad and they could tell it was schooling anyway. Yes. But, um, but this thing is like nobody making money off of this because you no. can just switch it off just immediately. Correct. So, uh, yeah. So it takes the value, takes the market value at, like away from the device. It does. Study. Yeah, good. Um, so now, <clears throat> why don't we get, that's that's kind of your latest, newest thing you've got going here at John Marshall. Let's let's just kind of focus in on you as the principal here a little bit and about just uh, what life is like for an urban principal. Aspasia, talk a little bit about your professional background? Uh, so I was a teacher in Dallas ISD for nine years. Uh, I taught English language arts. I also was an AP teacher trainer. I trained teachers in AP strategies. Uh-huh. Um, that was part of what I did in Texas and some of the surrounding um, mm-hmm. states. Uh, Due to my husband's profession, we moved to Oklahoma City, and I became an assistant principal at John Marshall uh, at that time. My first year was assistant principal, and then my second year uh, principal, and this is my seventh year now. Your seventh year at John Marshall. Correct, yes. Time does fly. It really does. I can remember when you were named, and I would have guessed, oh, you know, two or three years ago. Is this your seventh year? That's correct, yes. Okay. Now, um, this... Uh, uh, John John Marshall High School is this is this an enterprise school? It is. Or it is. Okay. Yes. Talk talk about the difference between a regular high school because John Marshall used to be a regular high school. Correct. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was over there closer to Britain Road. This is the new John Marshall location yes. here on North Portland, close to 122nd Portland, close to Lake Heifer. People almost everybody in Oklahoma City knows where Lake Heifer is. Yes. So it's like, yeah, your north side of Lake Heifer. Talk about what an enterprise school is, because a lot of people may not know. So an enterprise school is still a public school. It's kind of in between just a regular school and a charter school. So we have the ability through our contract, which the board, which is made up of alumni, um, administrators, teachers, um, parents, we have the ability to put some things into our contract, which are a little bit different. Um, So, for example, one of the things that we put in our contract for this year was to look at an uh, a different vendor for our cafeteria services. So this just allows us to differentiate a little bit based on what our students' community would like. That's that's how you're different from a regular high school. How are you different from a charter school? Yeah. We're different from a charter school because we're still um, a part of the district. The teachers right. have the regular contract. They don't have oh. an amended contract. Oh. Um, for example, I know like John Rex, they have a little bit different contract for their right. teachers there. Right. That's not the case here. They have the regular district contract. Yeah. So, so you have the contract that the that the teachers union negotiates with the district every year. Uh, correct. Yeah. The the exact same contract. Yes. So the same requirements. Um, we participate in district professional development. Mm-hmm. I attend the principals' meetings, for example, um, which is not the same as charter principals. Right. They right. are exempt from some of those duties. Um, so it's kind of in between. 
do you fantasize about being exempt from some of those duties of attending? <laughs> I think every principal would like to have a little, uh, a little less paperwork and, and a few fewer meetings. But <laughs> most people, most people feel sorry for principals because you know you inevitably have to counsel the bad kids. You yes, know? and and so they go, God, you know, like that. But I, you know, I haven't met a principal yet that didn't welcome the opportunity to help somebody who was in trouble. Sure, get out of trouble in their life. You know, move beyond that. It's the meetings and the administrative vote. Right. That, I would say the, the, grind, the time with the kids is uh, the highlight of the day. <laughs> yes. No matter who it is and for what reason. Right. right correct. If you're talking to a kid, that's you're that's, better off. Yes. <laughs> All right. Good. So, um, so what was it when you were in the classroom in Dallas mm-hmm. ISD? That that's another huge urban school district. Correct. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, how what what part of Dallas were were you teaching in? I was really there at the crossroads of 635 and 75. Okay. Um, Hillcrest, Benjamin Franklin Middle School, okay, um, yeah. right there in the middle of the city. Yeah, but but kind of north of downtown. Is yes, that, is that north, north of, of downtown? downtown. Yeah. Correct. All right. Um, so, what were some of the biggest challenges teaching teaching as a classroom teacher in a school district like Dallas Public School? Some of the things were similar to what we face now. Um, I have my whole career has been in Title One schools, where okay. um, most of the students qualify for free and reduced lunch, right. the yeah. lower socioeconomic um, kind of status, and so the challenges of kids coming with uh, foundational gaps in knowledge is something that's yeah. been um, very similar from my experience as a teacher. Okay, let me let me just kind of stop you there because yes. because foundational gaps in knowledge. You know, as a trained teacher myself, I hear that and go, oh, yeah, I know what that means. Right. But we might not know what it means. Explain, explain what that means. When we say we have students in a, in a school mm-hmm. that have foundational gaps in which, what, what does that mean? It means that what we would normally expect students to know based on the state standards from grade to grade has not been mastered. Right. So, yeah. so for, ver- for a variety up, of reasons. Uh, elementary school, right. but, they, but they have pieces missing Correct. in their education. And that may be due to high mobility. Sure. It may be due to um, starting with the deficit, a lower vocabulary. Right. Um, there is a correlation between how much students are read to when they're infants yeah. and, and their vocabulary acquisition. So we know those things. Or um, even how much reading material is just there. There in the in home. The home. Yes. Yeah. There's, there are, I've had students in the past that didn't have not even one book in their home. Right. Or a newspaper or Correct. a magazine. Yes. Even a magazine. Yeah. Yes. The difference I would say um, between here and John Marshall, uh, at John Marshall and Dallas ISD is really the percentage of English language learners, right. um, which of course, you know, is going to change over time. We right. will have more. Exactly. Uh, but in Dallas ISD, I had about 78% of my students were English language percentage, learners. Just, just, just kind of, kind of guess at your percentage of English language learners here. At John it's Marshall. less than 10%. Here. Correct. But if you went to the south side of Oklahoma City, it'd be... It'd be 90%. It'd be the opposite. Yes. <laughs> yes. So what are the biggest challenges for your students here? This is this is a Title I school. It right? is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. What what percentage of your students here uh, qualify for free and use About 80%. Percent. Yes. And, um, you know, and the supports from home are not equal to what students might have if they were in a more affluent environment. Yeah. You know, I'm... Cynical people might might hear this and say, "Well, you know, if if the real poor, they're on welfare, they aren't doing anything anyway. They ought to be able to help their kids." Okay, 
but the but the reality of poverty is different, Andy. It? it is. So I mean, you have to have a you have to have experience um, to be able to help students. For example, help students complete college applications. Right. You know that is something that if a parent is a high school graduate and did not go to college themselves, it's very difficult to expect them to help mm-hmm. their student do college applications, research scholarships, fill out FAFSA right. forms. Those things right. are not very um, would not be just common knowledge to yeah. to a person. Yeah, most of the poor are not just sitting around. They're no. they're working two two three, three jobs, jobs. Was my experience Correct. in the classroom. And yeah. so that in itself also put stress on the students. So if the parent or parents are, you know, working multiple jobs, they're not really there to support the students in ways that they might need homework, help, even going to different activities to be supportive. Um, those things can affect a student's uh, motivation and also affect uh, the outcomes. That's not to say that, you know, those parents don't absolutely uh, do everything they can for their children. Right. But when they're working multiple jobs, obviously there's a time constraint there of how much they can actually do in the school yeah. or at activities for the they're kids. They're working multiple jobs because they're trying to help their kids. Absolutely. Yeah. See, yeah. Here at John Marshall, this is this is not some grubby urban jungle school here. This, this is a bright great looking school yes you know hallways are clean the students take a lot of pride in themselves and building what does it what does it take as a principal what kind of demands on your leadership are made to lead a school where you have kids from so many different kinds of background all coming to the same place what does it take to to finally come to a point where all of the kids can say yeah i'm a john marshall bear that took some time it was not a happy place when I first came here. No, and there wasn't a there lot was of school pride. Yes, where students did not all yeah. feel like they were John Marshall Baird. Yeah. And I think that that you know the the perception um, of the community was really based on you know those events which happened a long time ago. Right. Um, and to be fair, you know the school was open before it was really ready to be open, right. and right. that contributed right. to a lot of the situations That's that right. occurred. That's right. So cool. one of the things that I noticed was just the tension um, when you walked into the school building, people not being really happy to be working right. here and students really not being happy to be students here. Yeah. And so I knew immediately <laughs> so that have, nobody's happy to be in the building correct. together. Yeah. Yes. So I knew that that was something that had to change, really changing the culture mm-hmm. of the school. And it started with, um, I guess, modeling respect right. for students, parents, teachers, mm-hmm. um, communicating in a way that was always focused on our common goal, which is increasing student achievement. So I think that even with, you know, a parent that you have a disagreement with, a teacher, a student, Mm -hmm. keeping that in mind of, you know, why are we here? We're really here for the, for students to be successful, um, makes difficult or decisions pretty easy for me. (laughs) So it starts with your modeling. Yes. Uh, respect for everyone. You. Correct. And, you know, people might say, well, well, yeah, because they're in a workplace, you know, where everybody's expected to be nice to each other. You know, most workplaces are quiet. They're not, they're not crazy. I, you know, uh, you know, I talk, I talk to people and I say, you know, when was the last time that you broke up a fight at work? You know, when was the last time? 
uh, somebody called you at your work. You mm-hmm. know, when was like, you know, well, those are those are things that happen in in school. Kids get wired up. They're they've had two hours of sleep and they, right. they are way off of their game and mm-hmm. and they're having a horrible day. And those things happen. They do. Uh, that is, so that you just same, try to that same kid the next day maybe just yeah. fine. But yeah, there are a lot of issues. Most of the issues that come from outside of school yeah. Yeah. Um, that are brought into the school. I can say um, that those have really decreased in number and severity yeah. over the years. Yeah. We do have some things that we have in place uh, to help that along, right. like peer mediation. We really right. try to intervene before it gets to that level. And then there's a certain level of trust, too, where now, um, you know, when I'm in the cafeteria at breakfast, students will come and say, hey, we had this, you know, this is what happened over the weekend, just so you know. <laughs> so I can intervene on things because they know that um, – I'm not going to try and do that with judgment or right. uh, to discipline a student for something that right. happened to them or happened outside of the school. I'm going to try to address it so that it's not it doesn't affect their learning. That that level of proactivity is not just instituted; it's earned, isn't it? Yeah. You just gave me a scenario where you would not be able to be proactive like that and head off a problem before it becomes a problem if those students didn't trust you enough to give you a heads up about it. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and earning trust in any environment is hard. It's a long process. It's hard. And that's, you know, um, that was one of the issues here. I think that, you know, the administrators that were here had stayed for two years or less. It was just a revolving door. And you just can't build trust with students or teachers if you are, um, you know, just on your way in and then out. And so we see that so much in education where teachers... um, will be introduced to something from new leadership and they kind of feel like they can just wait it out till it moves on. And they're, they legitimately have a good reason for feeling that way because there are many, many schools where the administrator doorway is just a revolving door. And so there's there's no relationship. There's no relationship. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. So if somebody's just, just passing through, then, then there's no time for a relationship. Correct. So things just don't work. So, Really staying someplace, really committing to someplace, leads the teachers to commit. Absolutely. And, and that, and the students see teachers and principals committed together, and it's easier for them to start thinking that they are John Marshall Bear instead yes. of a random kid got us today. This has been a great conversation. Aspasia Carlson, thank you so much thank you. for talking to me today. I really appreciate what you're doing here at John Marshall. Have a great school year with the John Marshall Bears. Thank you. Thanks so much. And um, we are playing in the semifinal football game tomorrow night, so go Bears. <laughs> been 20 years we're ready <laughs> it's been 20 years yes wow we're in the semifinal okay. versus jones 7 okay. p.m good luck thank you people people you're hearing a real principal here yeah she's, she's always going to tell somebody about the newest success they're having. absolutely so very good auspicia thank you very thank much. you that concludes our interview there are several ways for you to catch this weekly podcast go to our website at intersectionsok.com where you can subscribe listen to episodes, read the backstory, and see photos of our guest. On iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and our Facebook page, we are Intersections Oklahoma. On Twitter and Instagram, we are Intersections OK. I always want to hear about the cool people in your life, so write to me. My email address is ideas at intersectionsok.com. Steven Tyler is our awesome production advisor, And I am your host, Brett Dickerson.